This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 675. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. And make sure that you're checking out Marking Out over at MarkingOut.com, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you may be listening to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and also buy a t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash out. Give us a follow on Twitter at out. Give us a like on Facebook, out page. Give us a follow on Instagram, out 11 Give us a follow over on TikTok, on Twitch, and wherever else you can find us on social media platforms. But I am here with Brandon, and I want all of you to make sure that you follow Brandon at BTTG161 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Chris on Instagram at CMSweeney85 and on Twitter, Chris Swindog. And follow me, myself, and I, Dave the Rave, at DavidPTDPT. And... Now that we got the intro out of the way, it is episode 675, and I am going to send it on over to Brandon, because Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome, as always. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. That is really, really kind that you asked me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. How was your week? I have to uh, know. Well, I mean, we hung out on Saturday. Yes, that is so very true. We did get to hang out on Saturday. Uh, I bestowed upon thee an autograph, a very special autograph. Legion of Doom, LOD 2000, Animal and Draws, which I'm very appreciative of. Yes, yes, of course, you're welcome. I remember that day I actually met them. Originally it was advertised that it was Legion of Doom 2000, but it was Hawk, Animal, and Sonny. Um, And it was at, at McDonald's. And... I believe it was like a McDonald's, I want to say up by like um, Roosevelt Field Mall or something like that. It was some somewhere around there, uh, maybe on uh, Hempstead Turnpike. And I remember seeing them and they were sitting, it was so weird because they were sitting in like a legit McDonald's booth, signing autographs and taking pictures while also eating. <laughs> so like I have pictures with like Animal and Draws as they're eating like their French fries with like, I think in the picture draws is like chewing his food and op- like he did is like open up his mouth wide for the picture. With, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I didn't know you had pictures from that show. Yeah. 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 I have pictures from or there. not show the event. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really cool. Like they actually took the time to, to say hi and stuff. And I mean, back then I was, what I forgot. I was probably 15 maybe. Um, so, but it was definitely a great memory. So I'm glad that, uh, I was finally able to uh, give that to you. I know it's been a long time, long time coming. (laughs) It sucks that they don't do 
I feel like they don't do events like that anymore. Like here and there, here and there, you'll see like, um, is it Cricket Wireless? They do like yeah. contests or whatever for them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we don't just get free meet and greets like that. I know. Sometimes when I see them, like it's always ran- It's really random, and it's always now. It seems like it's like a Becky Lynch person, like somebody that's like pretty big, but it's random. Um, the last free event autograph signing that I went to was actually Kurt Angle. Um, maybe two years ago? I think two years ago, it was Kurt Angle at a car dealership uh, on Hempstead oh, yeah. Turnpike. On Hempstead Turnpike. Um, but when, when was the last free autograph signing that you went to? Based off my memory, I think it would have been 2006 or 2007. We went to, well, technically... You would have had to have paid to get into the the car show at the Jacob Javits Center. Mm-hmm. I believe my dad had a connection, so we got in for free. But they were doing a Jimmy Hart autograph signing there, so that was completely free and got a picture with him, got an autograph, and he was that's really cool. Nice then. You actually, so. you actually, I think you actually gave me an autograph from Jimmy Hart. That's possible. I don't. Yeah, remember. I have because I have a Jimmy Hart autograph, and I'm pretty positive you gave it to me. Is it on a mat? Yeah. Yeah, might have, might have actually done that. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, they were, dude. I remember Jimmy Hart was literally signing everything. I think I got, I got my three pack. Him, Hulk Hogan, and uh, I said that very weird. I almost said Hulkster, that's why. But him, Hulk Hogan, and Brutus Beefcake. There's a classic Superstars three-pack of them. And I have their... I have Jimmy Hart's signature. I don't think I'll ever get Brutus or Hogan, so that kind of sucks, but... You never know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... I would like to meet Hulk Hogan at some point, but It sucks. I he charges other... way too much money. That's the thing. I don't want to charge... I don't want to pay that much money for it, but, yeah. but, but... For Hulk Hogan, I think I kind of would. How much is he charging? I would I would say maybe two hundred. I don't know though. You know what? I don't know. I a part of me feels like maybe I would on the right occasion, the right day, the right picture or whatever, just to get a picture with him and stuff like that. Just because it, it's Hulk Hogan, you know. I do actually. I do have his autograph, but I never met him. So it's more so, I have his autograph, so I really just want to take a picture with him more than anything. I have a Hulk Hogan autograph courtesy of uh, uh, Sal. Uh, oh, because they went to the free signing. Yeah, because of a free signing that Sal and the indie god Matt Cardona went to and you can actually see the both of them waiting online on the what is it Hulk Still Rules DVD yeah and you can see them you can actually see Cardona and Sal waiting online and I actually have one of those autographed Hulk Hogan figures uh, it's the NWO Hulk Hogan figure um, so I have that actually that in was, case that was the uh, the R3 figure when the NWO, those figures were brand new. They were introduced. They they did a signing at Toys R Us in Times Square. 
Yeah. And that's so, what that was for. Very grateful for that. I remember being that, jealous of not being able to go. It was like there was school, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. There I think out. yeah, they skipped school to go. Yeah, they I remember skipped, I went uh, to sell. I went to a free signing at Bally's Total Fitness. It was the big show. I want to say maybe 2005, 2006, around then. And mm-hmm. then after the free signing, we went to the Sunrise Mall in Massapequa, and there was a, a, a paid signing. It was Rey Mysterio and Joy Giovanni. And I believe I paid for both of them. But I hated the fact that, like, looking back, I hate the fact that I have no pictures. I, I didn't want pictures back then, and I hate that I don't. I know. It's it's such a... I know. I, I feel like I'm the same way where there's so many times where I wish that I took a picture because autographs are great and everything, but when you have a picture with that person, there's like a huge story behind it. Um, I mean, there's a story behind the autograph too, but... Of course, of course. It, it, it's like... As much as uh, as against of as against it as I was, smartphones. I think if I had back in the day, I would have so many more like pictures and memories mm-hmm. of things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, other than other than us hanging out, <laughs> I made uh, meat sauce and and. This time I added beef stock and half and half. Oh, um, hold on. I, I'm just going to also add that did I I think like two weeks ago, it was Jimmy Hart's birthday. Yeah, he turned 80 years old. Can he you believe was a, that? a New Year's baby, I believe. Yeah, can you, can you like, the guy yes, looks fantastic. I no, I can believe he's 80. What do you mean? Well, I mean, just... Jimmy Hart looks like he's 80. Years old. I don't know what anybody's really. Talking about. I think he looks fantastic. Maybe it's the I fake hair like and the and I don't know. The, the hair plugs and the uh, the tan. Well, I don't know <laughs> if he's got fake hair, but I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a few wrestlers. He doesn't look that bad I'm though. Like, I'm, I don't think he looks like. Uh, no, no, not at all. I remember yeah. going to a Brock Lesnar autograph signing with you. Yeah, that was, I guess, either 2002 or 2003. Yeah, I don't know if also I have a picture with him. Mall. Do you have a picture with him? I don't because, like I said, stupid idiot Brandon did not care about pictures with people. I'm trying to think. I I feel I like we did take a 10. picture. My brother yeah. might. I think my brother might have we one have of to, those Polaroids. Let's check to see if we can find pictures of that. I feel like I do have pictures I mean, with if, Brock Lesnar. If you have or, a picture, it would be a signed Polaroid. I don't have your picture. No, no, no. I, I, I feel like I took a picture also of you getting your autograph for some reason. Well, that's on you to look for. So if that's an yeah. actual thing, then <laughs> I hope that exists. I think that'd be super. I don't cool. want to get your hopes up, but I kind of feel like yes because I didn't. I didn't pay for an autograph. I think that doesn't make sense. I paid to just meet him because I had his autograph already. I got his autograph. If you got if you got a picture with him, then it would have been. Uh, an eight by ten, I think. Not an eight by ten, a Polaroid. No, I didn't. And get... then he would have signed the Polaroid. Yeah, I didn't get a signed Polaroid. I may have just taken pictures with him that, or a picture with him, or pictures of him. 
You had because, like what seemed like a twenty long minute conversation, even though it wasn't that long. But yeah, because I, I had an autographed picture from actually going to wrestling camp. I went to the Jay Robinson camp in Minnesota, which was his wrestling coach, and it was really really kind of him. He knew that I was a big Mark, and <laughs> I oh because I always ask him questions about Brock Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin. And he, of course, I found out that Lesnar would always come around to hang out with the boys and stuff like that. Um, he never came to the camp. But a few months after the camp, I randomly got something in the mail that was addressed to me from Jay Robinson. I'm like, what the, what's this? And I opened it up, and it was a letter from Jay Robinson wishing me well and everything and saying how it was great to meet me, yada, yada. And he found this on his desk. Uh, and he wanted addressed to me, and he was meaning to send it to me, and it was actually an autographed picture, eight by ten, from Brock Lesnar. Hmm. So yeah, that's that, that's pretty cool. But yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll get to a few uh, free autograph signings upcoming, hopefully. But yeah, fingers you were saying crossed. about your, huh? Yeah, I said fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But you were saying but about your was, cooking. How yes. was how was your week? My week was good. I got to see one of my favorite cousins, uh, two of my favorite cousins on Saturday. So, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> um, let's see. My week was actually really good. Um, I feel like overall, everything is just good. I don't know. I'm really feeling positive about 2024. I feel like a lot of change is going to be taking place. I feel a lot of anticipation on my end uh, and, and excitement. Um, I have a trip to Boston upcoming in February, then a trip to Disney in March upcoming, um, and really looking forward to all of it. And we even have WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, and I'm such a mark for the Royal Rumble matchup. I've always been a mark for the Royal Rumble matchup as a kid. It's my favorite match. So I've been just feeling really good, really good, but nothing really specific. But yeah. But... How about we talk about some sports entertainment and talk about some Monday Night Raw? Monday Night Nitro. And uh, speaking of the Royal Rumble, Drew McIntyre opened up the show and he said that he needs the championship and he's been replaying the match from last week in his head over and over again and realized that he cost himself the match. And then he said that maybe Sami Zayn is right in saying that the only person holding him back is himself. And if that's the case, he might need to step away from WWE. No. And then he brought up Damian Priest coming out and cashing in or attempting to cash in the Money in the Bank contract. And he called him an idiot for not waiting until he had already won. And... Drew McIntyre brought up, he's like, oh, well, maybe if I do go away from WWE for a while, I could come back 10 years later or whatever with all this fanfare, which he's obviously talking about CM Punk. And CM Punk came back, uh, came out, and they went back and forth. McIntyre brought up stuff that Punk did in the last run in, in WWE. Stuff that he didn't like. And Drew McIntyre entered the Royal Rumble. And said that he's going to eliminate CM Punk. And CM Punk said nobody's stopping him. He'll throw McIntyre out last. 
And I thought this was a really good segment. Yeah, I love the build of Royal Rumble, and I also love the anticipation of McIntyre and CM Punk squaring off in the Royal Rumble matchup because, honestly, I can see McIntyre eliminating CM Punk. I could also that's... see... I could also see Punk eliminating McIntyre. So the fun aspect of pro wrestling of anything can happen. Um, I, I like this. I like this I a had, lot. And I had a name missing from my list of final fours. Maybe McIntyre is that final name. What it, do you mean they're, final they're name? Like final four in the Royal Rumble. I had Cody, Punk, Jey Uso, and maybe now it's McIntyre. Yeah, I mean, McIntyre, I'm going to add to this, McIntyre's doing the loop for media too, you know? They're really playing up his entire aspect with uh, being the champion for such a prolonged period of time during that, well, uh, prolific, prolific? I don't know, uh, period of time during the COVID era and how he just didn't get his due. And I think that everything with this McIntyre stuff it's great storyline to roll with. So if he's in the final four, I'm for it. They are all but, from Monday Night Raw, so I don't know yeah, if that'll happen, but That's true. They're all four four people that I think would would be candidates of people wanting to see win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's true. But first matchup of the evening, we had Champa pick up the victory over Finn Balor. What did you um, think of that walking promo that Champa cut? He's awesome. I thought that was pretty cool. It's like some we haven't gotten something like that recently. Yeah. I don't know if we've gotten it ever, but I, I liked that because it's like a new style where he's like walking to his entrance, cutting a promo on Finn Balor. Yeah, I, I like it. Instead of a picture-in-picture picture talking cut a uh, pre-cut promo or something like that are being interviewed right in gorilla he's talking on the way to the ring i thought, I thought you it was liked innovative the, i thought you liked the little box promos though i do the only time i like those really i mark out <laughs> for like the royal rumble ones and like survivor series ones but just because like the old school aspects of it well uh damian priest got involved here and johnny gargano went after him and then Johnny also pulled Finn Balor's leg to help uh, Tommaso Ciampa get the victory. And they want the tag team titles. If that wasn't a thing, I would have been surprised with this outcome. I don't expect them to beat the Judgment Day for the titles, though. But still um, enjoyed the match. Yeah. Still a after, good that, after that, Becky Lynch was interviewed... And Jackie Redman was about to ask, or she asked Becky Lynch about her loss to Nia Jax last week, and she said she got up again and then entered the Royal Rumble. And Nia Jax did not end her. It's just the beginning. Or maybe it's just the beginning. So I could see the two of them maybe being a match at WrestleMania. I could see that too. I don't feel like Becky is in pinned up to have a or, big or, matchup uh, right now. So elimination chamber at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and then later you. on, Michael Cole interviewed Nia Jax, 
And he said how Nia Jax is now the favorite to win the Royal Rumble. And she said nobody can stop her. And then Rhea Ripley came out and said, good for you for beating Becky Lynch last week. But Becky Lynch is not Rhea Ripley. And stop acting like you own the division because you don't. And uh, obviously alluding to her owning the division. And the crowd, crowd went crazy for this. Yeah, and like, she said, and if you happen to, if you if you do happen to win the Royal Rumble, it's best to keep my name out of your mouth. Yeah, the crowd eats up everything Rhea Ripley puts out there. She's so over. And Nia Jax, of course, said that if she does win the Royal Rumble, then she will be choosing Rhea Ripley. Yeah. So. But next up, you had Kofi Kingston and Ludwig Kaiser... Go to a double countout. Uh, no winner in this contest. Michael Cole, by the way, that confirmed the that Giovanni huh? Vinci that uh, he'll be out for a few weeks. So, what was the? Did they announce why? Nope. But if they're saying a few weeks, then maybe it is concussion protocol. I'm surprised that they're not saying why. Like, even if it's concussion protocol, I feel like if you state that he had a concussion and we're keeping him out. I feel like that gives it more, it's very empowering to talk about that injury and to bring awareness to it. So I feel like if it was a concussion, they should put it out there being like, Hey, yeah, you know, he sustained a concussion, but we are taking protocols as everybody should be taking protocols. Hint, hint NFL. And, um, yeah, but hopefully he does have a full recovery with everything. Yeah. But I, I expected Kofi to win this match. I was not expecting Ludwig Kaiser to beat the absolute hell out of him. And he yeah. like continued the beatdown after the match. He threw an office chair at Kofi's face. Yeah, that, and, was, that was nasty. Yeah, and then he did that shotgun dropkick to Kofi's head against the, the steel steps. And he was yeah. asked later on, brother, what, what the hell? And he blew up and he said, Kofi took Vinci's head, so I'm taking his. Yeah, Kaiser has a mean streak in him. Like, I never really... He's got to be nice for... Or he's got to build himself up for Gunter, who's coming next week. Yeah, we haven't seen this, like, like mean streak of Kaiser. But that was just, like, when he tossed that chair and then went with the steps, like, that was just a mean streak. And I, I really was into this aspect. Um, and I think a big winner of the night was also Nike. I don't know if you saw that picture going around. No. Apparently, I think like five of the or six of the wrestlers on the card were wearing like brand new, I think like red and white Nike sneakers. Hmm. Like I think Balor, Kofi, uh, Truth, Miz, Uso, and Cody maybe. But... Yeah. Interesting. Next up, you had Katana Chance and Kaden Carter pick up the victory over Chelsea Green and Piper Niven to retain the championship. Uh, I love that Rough Rider. Yeah, she uh, she hit the Rough Rider and the referee was distracted by Katana Chance on that spot. It's a sign he's coming. But Piper accidentally took Chelsea Green out when they were maybe about to win the match. And uh, so that that was unfortunate for them, but that I think the craziest spot in this match, that Doomsday Hurricane Rana that Katana Chance does, yeah, 
And then the fact that like Chelsea kicks out of that, I think is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed this match. I wish it was longer, but I, I, I'm happy that with this outcome. Yeah. Same here. Uh, After time for, time for what? Yeah. It, this, this is, this is my, I'm saying it now because I'm going to forget my mark out moment of the week. 100%. <laughs> Our truth had an entire video of him and Judgment Day. Um, it was hilarious. Uh, from start to finish, this was just pure golden comedy. Where he was just like, the, when I saw the doc, when I was born, I saw the doctor, and I said, I want to be a part of the Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes to show pictures of all of the people in Judgment Day as babies. Um this was just hilarious. I one of my that... one of my favorite pictures was the actual pay per view poster <laughs> Judgment of Day. Judgment Day with him <laughs> imposed on it. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because it ends with with our truth saying like, "Oh, and our, our we live by the or our famous catchphrase or whatever: live, laugh, and love." And I'm like, brother, that has to be a Judgment Day T shirt. And then fast forward to like the next day or whatever they announced they have first of all they have our truths like shirt like name shirt with the tape over uh or not over anything it's just yeah. adding him to the shirt and then they have a, a live laugh love judgment day shirt <laughs> and both shirts think, are without J D McDonough so I think that's really funny yeah I, I mean even everything that they're doing on instagram and twitter back and forth how every single picture <laughs> that judgment day has somehow our truth is like in the background yeah um like there was one picture that i totally popped over where it was damien priest it was damien priest i think rhea ripley and dirty dom sitting at uh a, re- a diner or something eating food Looked and like you an see our truth in the background. Yeah. Yeah. But JD McDonough was pissed off at this video and uh, Damien Priest put it over as like super funny. And he said that he'll handle it all when the time is right. And Damien Priest also questioned Rhea Ripley about making an enemy out of Nia Jax, seeing if that's maybe not the smartest thing to do. And she basically, like, they're kind of, like, fighting over power, the way I see it. So she, like, shrugged it off as, like, that's my business. But then we go into the next match where we saw The Miz pick up the victory over JD McDonough. And we saw R-Truth show up. And Dominic got involved behind the referee's back. So JD McDonough was able to take over the match. But R-Truth kind of caused some distractions by cheering for JD McDonough it didn't I don't think it affected the match much but I guess it took JD out of it enough and commentary even called saying like oh it's distracting JD McDonough I really don't think it was distracting JD that much for him to lose but I I thought that was a a, another great aspect to add to this match including our truth and the awesome truth I'm I'm happy yeah. with stuff like that. And then Rhea Ripley said that she's going to go talk to uh, Adam Pierce about plans for next week, which we'll kind of get to. 
But after that, we saw Seth Rollins. And he said that he's never taken a championship into WrestleMania. He's never been the headline of WrestleMania. But it changes this year. And he asked who he'll beat at WrestleMania. And then Jinder Mahal showed up. And basically did what he did last week. But to Seth Rollins. And he said that he's been overlooked. And Seth Rollins told him, take a swing. And then he laughed it off when Jinder didn't do anything. And Jinder attacked him for that. And Seth Rollins had a comeback. And they they got into this big brawl. Jinder got away though. And I thought maybe we would see this match at, at the Royal Rumble. But they announced it for next week at WrestleMania, uh, at WrestleMania. They announced it next week for Monday Night Raw. And now the big question for me do we see, we heard Rhea Ripley say she's got a plan. And I have a truck backing up. That's going to hear, people are going to hear that. But uh, I'm wondering if that's going to tie into it and be part of the Judgment Day's plan. And we'll see maybe Damian Priest ends up walking out of Monday Night Raw next week as champion. I mean, we know that there is, it seems like Judgment Day and Rhea Ripley have a grand scheme plan for Damian Priest where she is, I feel like she, the shot calling and everything, I think he is going to have a successful cash in. Um, like par, I, I'm assuming like maybe they want us to think that the plan that Rhea Ripley spoke to Adam Pierce about was Finn Balor and Damian Priest getting a match against awesome truth next week because that match is yeah, taking place. Yeah. But who's to say that's not also going to happen where we see, Jinder Mahal, maybe Jinder wins. Maybe he wins the WWE Championship. I think it was pretty crazy when Miz won randomly a few years ago. So maybe it's like not out of the blue where Jinder does get that victory over Seth Rollins. And then Damian Priest comes out, cashes in successfully on Jinder Mahal. And then maybe come Royal Rumble, Seth Rollins gets the the title back from Damian Priest. I can see it. A lot went on with Jinder Mahal this week on Twitter. Uh, Okay, let's let's just. Well, I don't even think we need. I don't devote ten minutes on this topic. I mean, I don't think we have to talk about it. Even it was just the the WWE on Fox Twitter account, which I don't think is a WWE person running it, tweeted about the Jaguars losing and being out of the playoffs using a Kurt Angle meme. And then the USA Network asked, in regards to Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal, something about what was the cage match rating. Cage match is a website that Tony Khan has said he uses to determine whether or not something was good or or whatever, or to book a show. I don't know fully. I kind of blocked that cage match quote out. But then he went to Twitter and, and... I explained why Jinder Mahal shouldn't get a title shot. Yeah, he, <laughs> title shot. First off, the one thing, I, the thing I don't like is how he, there was no reason for him to. You can comment. I mean, first off, I don't think as an owner or at all he should be tweeting anything about any of this. Um, but to try to belittle and bring down a wrestler that's not that's 
not even relevant to you is so low class. He was I in mean, a segment with The and, Rock for and over 171 million people like throughout all the social media and everything saw that moment. And yeah. it wasn't even gender getting the title shot. It was the champion giving the person the title shot. So it's yeah, not yeah. even close to being the same thing. I mean, plus, I mean, realistically, Tony Khan, what he did, what, first off, there was no good reason for why he did that outside of emotions um, because there was no benefit for AEW. There was no benefit for his show. There was no benefit for him looking good in a specific light. If anything, congratulations, you just totally got full support of Jinder Mahal, where Jinder Mahal was trending on Twitter, don't hinder Jinder. You know? So I feel like... He stayed trending for, like, maybe two days? Yeah, it totally totally backfired. You know? But, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing Seth Rollins versus Jinder Mahal. I would not be opposed. And people are like, oh, everybody hates Jinder Mahal and blah, 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 which might be true. I know there's a lot of people who hate Jinder Mahal. They hated him being WWE champion. We didn't. We were tired of Randy Orton's title reign. So we were very happy to see Jinder Mahal become WWE champion. I'm not tired of Seth Rollins' title reign, but... If Jinder Mahal happens to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship on Monday Night Raw, I'm not opposed to that at all. So. Yeah. But I agree. We'll see next week. After that, we saw Ivar pick up the victory over Otis. I know this is uh, probably your favorite match from the night. Or not. Um, this was <laughs> definitely 100%. My favorite match of the night. Ivar taking on Otis. There was so much happening in this match where I was just glued to the TV. And you know what, Brandon? I want more. I want more matches like this. I want I want this I want at least one one match of this caliber every single week on Monday Night Raw. Which honestly they, they have been doing. Yeah, some besides last week, I think. Ivar catching, uh, or Otis catching Ivar off that springboard, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I agree. And, and like, just a second, like, misstep or whatever, it would have thrown everything off. But I think in the end, it looked good. Mm -hmm. And I fully expected for Otis to move away from that moonsault because I feel like every time Ivar goes up for a moonsault, I I don't remember the last time we saw him hit it. So I was expecting um, Otis to move and then get the victory there. So I'm happy that that, that happened. Uh, but after the match, Tozawa got in Ivar's face. And Ivar pushed him off the, the or out of the ring. Maybe, I thought we were going to see right then and there another match where Tozawa gets like a quick victory over Ivar. But maybe mm-hmm. next week we'll see Ivar and Tozawa again. I think again. I could see that happening. After that, Jey Uso was interviewed. And he said he wants a singles championship. Bronson Reed interrupted and told him not to get in his way. I think it's likely that we'll see the two of them end up inside an elimination chamber. 
for what I title, would, I don't know. Yeah, and inter, Intercontinental Champion, I guess. I don't even uh, think that... Yeah. I think Gunther will defend the title inside the chamber. I would totally be fine with that. And clean house. Maybe not clean house, but... Not not do what Shayna Baszler did, but... <laughs> uh, and then we saw Cody Rhodes interviewed earlier. And Shinsuke Nakamura attacked him. And because of that, they turned the main event into a street fight. And uh, the graphics that they had for this, I thought was incredible. The video packages were so nice. I've been very much so enjoying these new video packages that WWE is doing. And then we get to the main event. Cody Rhodes picked up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura in a street fight. Nothing. There was no chaos. No members of chaos showed up. So Shinsuke didn't bring chaos. But a lot of this match um, didn't feature fighting that you would normally see in a street fight. But it had aspects of it. And I'm fine with how the street the street fight aspects were used. Because at some points it was just like a normal match and then other points we were getting kendo sticks, we were getting tables. Obviously... A big thing that took place during this match was outside the ring, which I popped big time for. Cody Rhodes ends up ducking the mist of, of Shinsuke Nakamura. It goes into the timekeeper's face. Berkeley, which is his actual shoot cousin, that's Tugboat's son. And so that's I- just, you know, he deserves better. <laughs> he deserves better. To, to go after the family like that, I mean, that's not, he, he's not even a worker. You know, just totally messed up. I I didn't realize that Tugboat was cousins of Dusty. It's, uh, I don't know how the family line is there. I know uh, Jerry Sags is also in that family, I believe. Really? I believe so. Huh. That's interesting. Tugboat, I mean, once again, Tugboat takes me back, back to that Ivar and Otis matchup. You know, Tugboat... And Earthquake, 100%. I hope they do go into the Hall of Fame at some point. Yeah. But, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. But that's Monday Night Raw moving over to NXT, where they actually brawled on the pre-programmed 10-minute warning, like, hype video that WWE does during the commercial breaks that are, like, 10 minutes out. I don't know what to refer to those as. But I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's always just, like... On this episode of NXT, catch this match, this match, this match, and so and so might be opening. But here, you actually had Nikita Lyons walking in the parking lot, and Blair Davenport walked up on her, and they brawled, and they opened up NXT, and then the the brawl continued to to right into the ring, and the match that was supposed to take place later on happened to open the show. Blair Davenport picked up the victory. I. And she, I, I was actually kind of surprised that Blair Davenport was able to pick up the victory because of of just the hype with Lyons coming back. Yeah, I thought Nikita Lyons was going to pick up that victory too, but Blair Davenport worked that uh, that repaired knee of Nikita. Mm-hmm. So, and even more off of her working that knee, I expected Lyons to have that comeback. So, for me, the outcome was surprising to see Blair Davenport win, but... Especially, it was just like a chop block and the knee. I thought there'd be more of a, a finish there, but... Yeah. 
and then after that, we saw Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams backstage, and Carmelo Hayes told Trick Williams that he has good news, and he first spoke about uh, he, he he spoke about what took place last week, and then said that he got him a spot in the Dusty Classic while Ilya's out. We don't know how long Ilya Dragunov is going to be out for, so let's team up. And Trick didn't seem like he was thrilled with that at first, but we have them as a, a team in the Dusty Cup, uh, which I, I don't hate. I feel like um, they could maybe make it to the finals, but maybe not, because I think next week they would have, or not next week, but whenever their matches. Yeah. Because I fully think that we'll see in the, the finals. I think Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker will make it. Yeah, I agree with you. And they picked up the victory over Gallus to advance to the, in the Dusty Classic. Breaker, I thought was funny that he inter- interrupted Baron Corbin's entrance. Because with the both of them, it's really anything you can do, I can do better. Mm-hmm. And I thought the match was decent. Gallus ended up working on Baron Corbin's hand after Corbin accidentally punched the ring post. But he continued the fight and ends up tagging himself in right before Braun Breaker could maybe like win the actual match for them. And Braun Breaker, instead of being like mean about it or beating down Baron Corbin about it, he saved Baron Corbin and hit that spear. So... He saved the match for them, and I think they will advance all the way to the finals. Yeah, I think him saving the match in that sort of a manner really stands out because it's one of those, like, I I don't know, it's one of those tag teams where can you trust, can they trust each other fully? Right. You know, so for him to actually commit to that spear uh, and take him out, I feel like that's a full, like, okay, they can actually support each other now. And I think the, now that they could fully support each other, I could definitely see them going all the way. I think the coolest spot in this match was the German suplex fallaway slam spot that Braun Breaker did to Gallus. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. But later on, Gallus was backstage and Ridge Holland walked up on them. And I thought maybe they were going to try to like get him to join Gallus, but him and Joe ended up getting into it. And he threatened Ridge Holland. So that match, I think, is taking place next week. Yeah. Throughout the night, we had the the segments with Tiffany Stratton on the farm, and it was not so much like the Simple Life, but I, it was, I guess, partly what I expected. Yeah, it was more so. I feel like it was more so straightforward. You know. Yeah, it, it added comedy, and and I think Tiffany Stratton. I think she did a really good job at doing like the comedy, like the falls and stuff like the, um, physical comedy in this. Mm-hmm. What is wasn't expecting that from Tiffany Stratton. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying she reminded me of like uh Chevy chase or anything, but I thought she did very well in these segments with the, the physicality of the comedy. Yeah, I agree. Also, I would have sworn to God that she would have grown up with a horse. If her dad was so rich, That's I true. thought for sure she, she yeah, would have had. But she probably, if her dad grew, if her dad had a horse, there's no way she's the per- She may have rode the horse, 
but she's not the one shoveling the hay right, and everything. Right, yeah. You know? So. Yeah. But we had Lyra Valkyria come out, and she questioned who she'll face at Vengeance Day, and announced that she spoke to Ava, and Ava told her that there was going to be a 20-woman battle royal, and the final four of that battle royal becomes a fatal four-way. And then... I think that's next week. Lola Vice showed up during the segment just to remind her that she can cash in literally at every t- at any time. And Lyra Valkyria said that she thought when Lola Vice showed up in NXT that with all her hype behind her, she would take over the division and that's just not happened. And she wants the cage fighter Lola Vice when they fight. She doesn't want like the oh, let me post an Instagram Lola Vice. And it seemed like she was maybe also trying to plant seeds of doubt between Electra Lopez and and Lola Vice. Yeah. But she challenged Lola Vice to have the match right then and there. And Electra Lopez jumped her. And then Tatum Paxley, who's had the back of Lyra Valkyria very creepily, appears out of nowhere and backs her up. And next week, that leads to a tag team match. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know? Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. We saw Josh Briggs pick up the victory over Oro Mensa, which stemmed from a backstage segment from earlier in the day where uh, Metaphor made fun of their breakup between Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen, and Fallon Henley. And then Briggs showed up and said he wants a rematch. And we go to the match. Jakara got involved. Noam Dar got involved. But Briggs got out of all of that. And uh, he, he... dodged Oromensa and picked up the victory. Yeah, I mean, which is good. I mean, I don't think Oromensa needs needs no, 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 no. the victory because not, I feel like not the, with metaphor being exactly, so powerful. Exactly, like metaphor or can, strong, I should say. They can lose every single week, but no matter what, me and you, we're still going to watch metaphor even if they're on a losing streak because they're so entertaining. Yeah. But Josh Briggs, he's a big guy. He needs those victories in order for us to be like, okay, let's see what he's got. So I think that this was awesome. Next up, you had the family pick up the victory over OTM to retain. Um, I feel like this was expected. You know, you had that spot where Reggie tried to get involved and then it just kind of went haywire. Yeah, I thought the the match was okay. I feel like some of the spots were like ass spots. But I also feel like OTM is super knew that they still have to, like, grow into their own. So, I I feel like that kind of hindered the performance there. But Scripps, like you said, got involved, and then Adriana Rizzo shoved him off the top rope, I think, into Nima. And then... I feel like there was no connection. I I, I feel feel like like it was on to him. It was kind of weird, because, like, also the referee was watching all of this happen. But, yeah. And then later on, uh, OTM ran into Jada Parker, and she told them that they should have seen this coming and basically said that she's their missing piece. So we'll see, I guess, maybe a six-person tag coming up between the two groups. I can see that. Then we saw uh, an NXT anonymous video air of JC Jane, where she was leading the women of Chase U in a plan to get money to get them back on track. 
But she said that if we're going to get the money, then you have to follow exactly what I say. What the plan is, we obviously, we don't know. Uh, we had a but somewhat of a debut, out. perhaps, in this, though. Maddie Renkowski was part of this segment, so I, it seems that she's officially signed. She's a former NWA Women's Tag Team Champion. She's been part of AEW Dark here and there. I'm not familiar but, with her. I have to I have to check. But, yeah, she's... Well, I mean, if you didn't watch AEW Dark, there's no way you're watching NWA, so... And you wouldn't true. be familiar with her. Yeah. So I think that's cool that they signed her, or assuming they signed her. I know there were rumors that she was, so hopefully it leads to something. After that, we saw Cora Jade pick up the victory over Gigi Dolan, uh, which I thought was decent. I think Gigi Dolan almost won this match, but Cora Jade held on to the referee to the point where I thought his pants were going to rip off for some reason for like a comedy spot. Because there was like a lot of force be- behind her holding onto his pants. But she was able to pick up the, the victory off of that like referee distraction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not the greatest of matches. There wasn't much in the actual match. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. would have liked more, but the, the dropkick that Gigi Dolan did to Cora Jade where like... Uh, she she was down sitting down on the rope. I thought that was fantastic. I mean, what what are they going to do with Gigi Dolan though? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like ever since like JC Jane really f- like found her new place in Chase U, Gigi Dolan for a, a very long time since splitting from Toxic Attraction has just been floating. Yeah. So I, that's I, I think I that's unfortunate. Maybe maybe she needs to go up to the main roster and do something up there. I don't know what, but. Mm-hmm. After that, we saw Axiom and Nathan Fraser pick up the victory over Hank and Tank to advance in the Dusty Classic. I liked the spot where they kept doing like the suicide dives outside of the ring, Axiom and, and Nathan Fraser. But mm-hmm. I think overall, I think the outcome for this and the other match were obvious. But I did think for a quick second that Hank and Tank were about to win. I was like, there's no way. So... But Axiom, obviously, and uh, Fraser picked up that victory. So we'll see who advances next week in the Dusty Classic. Uh, I don't think Axiom and Nathan Fraser will make it to the finals. I can't see them making it to the finals either. Uh, And then earlier in the night, Oba Femi was interviewed and asked about when he's cashing in his contract. And Lexus King interrupted. And said that if it wasn't for Trey Bearhill, he would have won the NXT Breakout Tournament. But now he has a title shot against Dragon Lee. And he th- he really thinks that Obafemi will make a good NXT champion. And he thinks that he's looking at the next NXT champion while he's going to be the next North American champion. And Femi looked down at the contract as if he's like teasing a cash-in. And fast forward to that main event, we saw Dragon Lee pick up the victory over Lexus King to retain the North American Championship. I liked this match a lot. Yeah. Trey Bearhill showed up, which allowed for Dragon Lee to dive onto Lexus King. But then, after the match, Oba Femi showed up. And he actually cashed in. It was like a Money in the Bank cash-in. Yeah. Not really a fan of this, because... 
like it will 100% I'm a fan that they're building up Oba Femi. Mm-hmm. I just wish Dragon Lee had a title for more than 30 days. Um, so that's like the only complaint I have out of that. I don't know what's next for Dragon Lee. Maybe it's just more like main roster LWO stuff. I don't know. I'm o- I'm okay with him losing just because I don't I don't know. I mean, I feel like he was just he was just a placement holder of a champion though. Like I can't see uh, we storyline didn't, we didn't Dragon get, Lee. But we didn't get like Outside of the Dominic stuff, I don't feel like we got the full potential of what the title reign could have been. I need to see more storyline involving Dragon Lee before I can be like, okay, I am invested in this guy's store, uh, um, title reign right now. Well, like I said, they didn't give us that opportunity to. But uh, Sky is the limit for Obafemi. He clearly has like it. So... I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him, and hopefully this reign is a lengthy title reign. Yeah. With a lot of uh, title defenses. Yeah. I mean, this is a dominant force right now. I think that he can definitely powerhouse his way through. Yeah. So that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. It was supposed to open up with Cameron Grimes versus Grayson Waller, but Paul Heyman interrupted, and the bloodline took Cameron Grimes out. Paul Heyman got into it with Nick Aldis, and then Nick Aldis put the bloodline in a tag team match against Randy Orton, LA Knight, and AJ Styles, and Paul Heyman was like, well, Roman Reigns isn't there, so Nick Aldis said, well, find a partner, otherwise it's three on two. First match saw Legato Del Fantasma pick up the victory over the LWO, I thought this was a good match, I like these faction wars that they're doing. I definitely think that Legato needed this victory. So, when Carlito's music hit during this, uh, Santos Escobar was on commentary. Carlito showed up from behind and took Santos out. And when that happened, I thought Legato was going to be losing. But Garza held onto the rope, picked up the victory off of that. After that, Logan Paul was on the screen and cut a promo about Kevin Owens and said that he spoke to his lawyers about Kevin Owens' cast, and if he shows up with the cast at the Royal Rumble, then the match is off. And then Kevin Owens responded later on and said that even though his hand's broken, it's not going to stop him from having that match at the Royal Rumble and challenged Logan Paul to show up next week on SmackDown for a face-to-face on the KO show. After that, we saw a segment in a coffee shop, I guess, with British Strong Style, they got coffee, it seemed. And Butch said that he doesn't need Tyler Bates' help. And Bates was like, just let me help you. And and Butch was like, that was a one-and-done thing. Just focus on yourself now that you're part of SmackDown. And Tyler Bates really kept pushing, helping uh, Butch. And I definitely think we're going to see them still continue to be a tag team. Especially since Butch said that uh, the Brawling Brutes is a thing of the past. And it almost seemed like we were going to get the return of Pete Dunne. So here's hoping that Pete Dunne is back soon. After that, we saw Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Belair picked up the victory there. This was a, a really good match. Damage control, I think, looks super cool ringside. Um, but at one point, Bailey tied Bianca Belair's hair to the rope. And she ended up tripping Bailey with it. I thought that was a good spot. 
And then we saw Bianca Belair go to hit the KOD on Bailey outside the ring, only to dump her like in reverse into the, the ring post. And I thought that was a, a fantastic spot. And she attempted the KOD again, but Bailey reversed it into like a power bomb into the turnbuckle. Bailey faked a knee injury during this and signaled for damage control to attack Bianca Belair. They didn't do anything. So it, it sucks that a breakup seems like it's like right around the corner. But Bianca Belair gets back into it, hits that KOD to pick up the victory. And then backstage, Bailey questioned damage control about not helping her. And Dakota Kai said the referee was looking right at them. She's like, what would you want us to do? The ref was looking right at us. And then she basically hyped her up. She said that we thought you were good on your own. And then she hyped her up for the Royal Rumble. And now it kind of seems like Bailey's not going to be winning the Royal Rumble. She's my pick two years in a row. Didn't win. In a perfect world, Sasha Banks would be returning to help Bailey once damage control turns on her. If that happens, who knows? After that, Lashley came out and spoke. The Street Profits were with him as well. They apparently, they're now called the Pride, but they didn't say that on TV yet. So I'm not 100% sure on that. But he spoke about Karen Cross and, and Authors of Pain from last week, and he called them out. Paul Ellering showed up and had a video play of Karen Cross and Scarlet, as well as AOP and, and Paul Ellering. And it's now they're now being known as the Final Testament. And when that name popped up, I thought for sure that was going to be the name of Karen Cross's new finisher. I would have much preferred Doomsday over the Final testament but at least they have names earlier in the night nick aldis was speaking to carmelo hayes who was there and carmelo hayes brought up the royal rumble but a town down under interrupted because they wanted uh i think did they want a match i don't remember but carmelo hayes ends up challenging grayson waller to a match and Grayson Waller tried to back out of it, and Theory stepped up, so Nick Aldis set up him versus Theory. And then Carmelo Hayes versus Austin Theory unfortunately ended in a no contest. I, I was definitely not expecting to see Carmelo Hayes wrestling on SmackDown. I enjoyed it up until that unfortunate ending um, where they Theory went for that Spanish fly, and it, they both landed wrong. The referee called it off immediately. Uh, so that's very unfortunate. Um, I did like that springboard suplex that Carmelo Hayes did, but I, I don't. I hope both of them are okay. We have the 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 Dusty Classic on Tuesday, and they're part of it. So, well, they as in Carmelo Hayes. And then uh, throughout the night, Paul Heyman tried to find a partner for the Bloodline. So he asked a bunch of different people. He asked Carlito. Uh, Pretty Deadly actually approached him and pitched themselves to Paul and then backed out after Paul told them that he just needs one of them. So that I thought was funny. And then Paul tried to recruit Bobby Lashley and he couldn't find anybody. So he told Jimmy and Solo that nobody is worthy to stand with them and they'll go into the match by themselves. And then during Randy Orton's entrance solo Sokoa and Jimmy jumped Randy and solo took Randy Orton out with that Samoan spike 
So they continued with a, a tag match. Uh, and I like the match. AJ Styles and LA Knight, I think, worked well as partners up until that one spot where Styles went for a tag. And LA Knight dropped off the apron to take Solo Sokoa out. Knight tried to tag in after that. And AJ Styles was like, absolutely not. You're trying to screw me here. And he refused to tag him. And Jimmy accidentally took LA Knight out. AJ Styles ducked a super kick. And Solo, he was getting, Jimmy was getting Solo ready to tag in. Randy Orton made his way back out. And it had Solo shook and AJ tagged him in. Orton took out Jimmy Uso to pick up the victory. Solo Sokoa attacked Randy Orton afterwards, but AJ rocked him with the phenomenal forearm. forearm. <laughs> and then LA Knight hit, it, hit him with the, uh, the BFT and then Orton dropped him with the RKO. And then they went after Jimmy Uso and the three of them worked on Jimmy Uso. And then to end SmackDown... The three of them do a shield power bomb through the table to Solo Sokoa. And Paul Heyman does his famous call Roman Reigns. So I thought that was a very enjoyable episode of SmackDown. Still, uh, they didn't have any updates, obviously, with uh, Carmelo and and Austin Theory. Hopefully they are okay, like I said before. But that's SmackDown moving over to a quick little break. And I'll be right back here on Marking Out. What's up, everybody? This is Dolph Ziggler, and you are listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 675. I'm going to talk about AW Rampage from last week. Uh, run down the card real quick. The Hardys, Mark Briscoe, picked up the victory over The Butcher, The Blade, and Kip Sabian. Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale picked up the victory over Kennedy Hardcastle and Notorious Mimi. You had Hikaru Shida pick up the victory over Anna Jay. And Wheeler Yuta picked up the victory over Commander to retain. This was one of the dullest episodes of Rampage I have ever seen. There was neither rhyme nor reason about almost anything that took place on this on this card. And it was very much so like I was watching an indie wrestling card, but on television. And I'm not saying that the matches were trash or the quality of the talent sucked. There's just no thought into put into Rampage anymore. And when there is thought outside of the Hardys having their breakup with Private Party and now being like these ego-fueled vets, there's two romance angles. Or, or whatever is going on between Stokely and Chris Statlander. And then you have Angelo Parker and Ruby Soho and now Harley Cameron. This show needs to very much so improve. And I really hope that the, the show that's out next week is nothing like this episode of Rampage. Moving over to AEW Collision. You had Sting and Darby Allin pick up the victory over the Workhorsemen how they're just randomly throwing together matches like the week before for Sting is so bizarre to me. Like, the the Revolution event has sold so many tickets that they keep adding tickets. 
How how do you not give it more than a week's notice that Sting is going to be there wrestling? That's crazy to me. Ric Flair being there, 100% not necessary at all. Flair getting involved is not necessary at all either. But good on the work horsemen for this match. And uh, I think that they get hate on Twitter that they don't deserve because I think they're both good. You saw Eddie Kingston pick up the victory over Trent Beretta to retain. I am still very surprised that Brian Cage did not win that spot. But Trent looked great in this match. He got busted open and continued to look strong. Sue sat worrying at ringside. Maybe it is time for Trent to win a singles championship in AEW. And maybe we will see Trent win a singles championship in AEW. I assume not. I mean, the only title he could possibly win would be from Orange Cassidy. But after that, the Kingdom picked up the victory over Brian Keith and Commander. Random team, I think. I don't know if Brian Keith and Commander is a thing. But this was a proving ground match. I feel like they could have just put the titles on the line. Be like, oh, we don't care who we face. Here's an open challenge or whatever. And then it's it's like they're losing anyway. But then I guess next the next segment would be the same exact thing, perhaps, except there's no title. Yet Edge come out, completely recovered from World's End. And he mentioned Christian saying on Dynamite that he's at the back of the line now, even though he's owed a rematch because he was former champion at this point. But he will work harder than Christian and he'll earn his title shot with open challenges. And then Edge picks up the victory over Griff Garrison, which was bizarre to see. The last time we saw Griff was losing to Wardlow in a minute. And prior to that was a full year. Now, I I assume it's a thing in Ring of Honor. Maria Kanellis has been, I guess, managing Griff and Cole Carter. But I have no clue about that. I thought Griff's promo beforehand was good. But this match, I think, made Edge look terrible. I don't think it should have gone past a minute. He lost to Wardlow. Edge is better than Wardlow. So, sure, it makes Griff Garrison look good. But storyline-wise, if Wardlow beat him in under a minute or a minute or whatever, and he's been off TV for pretty much 14 months, with the exception of that Wardlow match, that that really makes Edge look bad. And we saw Cole Carter attack Edge afterwards. He ate his spear. This led to a huge debate on Twitter. People comparing this segment to John Cena interrupting, a debuting John Cena interrupting Kurt Angle. Nothing alike. Griff Garrison has been in the company for four years. Almost four years. That was John Cena's debut. There is nothing compared to this, and this just really made Edge look bad, in my opinion. After that, Sky Blue picked up the victory over Kiara Hogan. I thought it was decent. I think it was too long. I feel like Blues uh, Sky Blue should have had like a, a longer, uh, not longer, dominant victory here, and she should be getting more more dominant wins. 
The TKO Dragon Sleeper looked much better this time, though. So I'm, I'm happy that it looked better. After that, Claudio picked up the victory over Andrew Everett. No reason for this match. But this was just a standard collision filler along with that Kingdom match. And then in the main event, you saw FTR pick up the victory over the House of Black. On Dynamite last week, they said that their match against FTR will happen in North Carolina in front of their families. And if House of Black wins, then FTR will have to leave their family and join them. But uh, that didn't happen. I thought this was a good match. Probably the best match from Rampage from Collision. This was one of the most NXT-like matches I've ever seen in AEW. And we saw Brody King show up. For some reason, Daniel Garcia showed up and took him out. I don't know why he's associated with FTR now in that spot. But House of Black ends up beating them down afterwards and standing tall. It's a close collision. I thought that was a fantastic match. Great close. Moving over to AEW Dynamite. This was live from Daly's Place. It was billed as Homecoming. And it opened with Hangman picking up the victory over Claudio. And I don't understand why this match happened. If the show ended last week with Swerve and Hangman in a pull-apart brawl, why did it... This match made no sense to me. And it almost immediately went to the outside. And they continued to fight out of the ring throughout the match. I get that this maybe builds up Hangman. But it literally does nothing with the ending from last week. And that that makes no sense to me. And later on, you had Samoa Joe come out. First of all, on Collision, Hook randomly challenged Samoa Joe for a title shot. I'm fine with that. I don't care if Hook's challenging him. Obviously, Hook's not winning. But Joe on Dynamite comes out and he said that there's going to be changes to the challenging protocol. You don't have to complain online. You don't have to do it in the ring. You just come out, you submit to the champion. And if the champion or the championship committee, and if the the championship committee approves, then you get the match. I assume he is the championship committee. But this brought Swerve and the Mogul Embassy out. Swerve said that he wants the title shot and he's going to take it. It's not personal. Then Hangman showed up to call his shot. Swerve left. And then Hangman left and there was zero follow-up from last week's episode of Dynamite. Zero. No follow-up to the brawl. And then a a hook bat signal showed up and hook showed up and said one week and he left bizarre that they just like are we supposed to forget the end of dynamite last week after that we saw edge orange cassidy dustin rhodes and preston vance pick up the victory over the mogul embassy and lance archer that segment with samoa joe came after so it i didn't understand the mogul embassy coming out literally right after as if nothing happened to them they didn't just lose that was goofy to me But then we also had a tag match. Thunder Rosa, Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and Anna Jay picking up up a victory over the outcasts, Sky Blue and Julia Hart. These two matches I'm grouping together because they were tribute matches to Brody Lee. 
so even though Preston Vance and Anna Jay are heels, they ended up on face teams. Uh, the men's match I thought was fun. I liked seeing that spot with Jake the Snake. I liked that he got involved to take Jose out, but it was kind of goofy at the same time because Jake's a heel getting cheered there and Jose's a heel, but he's on the face team. And the heel team ended up brawling due to a misstep. Preston got the victory. The women's match I thought was okay. We saw Harley Cameron get involved. I wish Hikaru Shida was involved in this, but both outcomes I think were obvious because they called it a tribute match to Brody. So I think it was obvious that Preston was getting the victory and I think it was obvious that Anna Jay was getting the victory. It's just very bizarre to me that two heels ended up on face teams. Like the last tag match that we saw Anna Jay in, she was tagging with Ruby Soho and Soraya. So, but she now has a match at Battle of the Belts against Julia Hart. I don't know if Preston Vance gets a title shot now, but whatever. We saw an interview from the Bullet Club Gold. They were asked about Undisputed Kingdom, and Jay said that he can do everything much better. The Acclaim showed up and pitched a supergroup. On Collision, Jay said there was no relation with them. But uh, now it seems like there's going to be a super group. I'm sure the segments are going to be funny, but... I I mean, they've done nothing to go after Adam Cole. And the the hangman... Not the hangman, the the henchman. We saw Tony Storm interviewed. She was asked about Deanna Perrazzo. And she said she wants a meeting with her. And then Deanna Perrazzo was interviewed later on and said it set up a, she said a debut match with Red Velvet. She has already debuted on AEW programming. Um, after that, Sammy Guevara, I think the best part of that was Mariah May eating chocolate though. Sammy Guevara picked up the victory over Ricky Starks. I thought this was a decent match. The The apron stuff I thought was crazy. Um, but I expected this outcome given that they have that match coming up. And they shook hands afterwards, which is not something I expected. But Big Bill attacked Sammy Guevara from behind. And then Jericho's music hits. He runs down with a bat, takes out the champions. The champions barely reacted. Big Bill's looking everywhere except for where wrestlers come out which is bizarre. But they continued to brawl while Judas was playing. I feel like that's going to be how the match is going to go. And they'll they'll say a tribute to New Jack or something like that. But people were booing. Uh, after that, Roderick Strong picked up the victory over Brian Keith. I thought the match was fine. I don't think they needed to go outside the ring, though. And I think it could have been over much quicker than it was, especially if you're trying to build up the the henchman for Adam Cole and the Undisputed Kingdom. But Adam Cole spoke afterwards and he said he doesn't care about people, he doesn't care about their respect, but it was basically just hyping up their group. Nothing wrong with that at all. I thought it was fine, but... With MJF out, 
the group kind of seems pointless. Sting and Darby Allen in the main event picked up the victory over the Don Callis family, Hobbs and Takeshita. Uh, if they knew this was the main event, then and the style of this match, then I, nobody should have brawled outside of the ring or in the crowd at all on Dynamite. At all. Because why are you going to give them the same thing? This one has specific sets of rules. Why are you going to give them the same thing that just happened in every other match? And then again in this match, I understand due to the rules it makes sense, but Ric Flair gets involved. We do not need Ric Flair. To end the match, Sting did a scorpion death drop off the stage to Powerhouse Hobbs through a table. And it looked like he had trouble getting up afterwards, so I hope he's fine. But he got interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And Tony asked him about his upcoming retirement match at Revolution in March. And before Sting could say anything, the Young Bucks with their tiny little mustaches returned. And that sucks so much. It seems like they are who Sting and Darby will face as Sting's final opponent. And that is shocking to me. But at the same time, since it's AEW, it's not shocking. And I'm not a fan of this at all. I don't, I, I don't, the reaction I had when the Young Bucks came out, man, like, it's just, there are, if you're going to do a tag match and not Sting versus Darby to put Darby over and have Sting lose his only match against Darby, FTR, are they not available? Brian Danielson and John Moxley, are they not available? <laughs> like <laughs> the Young Bucks, not a fan of that booking at all. But that is AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon, got any shout outs? Damn it, Bobby, how many times do I have to tell you to listen to Brandon's shout outs? The first shout-out goes to The Retirement Plan, starring Nicolas Cage. Ashley Green, Ron Perlman, and Ernie Hudson are also in the film. And I thought it was a decent film. It's been out on Hulu. And Ashley's character and her husband get into, like, trouble. And the only place she can turn for help is Nick Cage, who plays her dad. A strange dad, I guess. But, uh... It was like a cheesy crime comedy thriller movie and I would probably watch, not probably, I would definitely watch a sequel. I don't think there's going to be a sequel, but I mm. enjoyed this film. It's on Hulu, like I said, and I, I'm a big fan of Nicolas Cage, so I would I say still have check to see it out. The, I still have to see the Nicolas Cage movie. I think I saw that. I didn't see it, but it, it just looked hilarious. The next shout-out goes to the brother's son, or soon. They say it both ways on the show. But it's a new show on Netflix starring Michelle Yeoh. It follows a a Taipei gangster who goes to Los Angeles to protect his younger brother and his mother. And the younger brother has, like, no idea what's going on. But it's, like, action, comedy, drama. I don't know how else to describe it without giving much more away but i really enjoyed this show they even mentioned the rock and stone cold in it which i was not expecting i thought that was pretty cool 
and uh, cool. they had like wrestling magazines with them on the cover. Mm-hmm. So I really hope there's a, a second season of this. It ends on a cliffhanger sort of thing, or like where it could lead to another season. So I very much so enjoyed it. It's on Netflix, The Brother's Son. Check it out. The last shout-out goes to Echo, which is the MCU miniseries. All episodes are out on Disney Plus and Hulu. Follows the Marvel character Echo, where we first were introduced to her in Hawkeye. And the the bigger part, I think, of this is the fact that they finally added the the Netflix Marvel shows to that timeline on Disney plus mm-hmm. they've been on Disney plus, but they weren't like officially part of the MCU timeline, but now they are officially MCU canon. It's five episodes. Kingpin and daredevil are both in it. That's not a spoiler. We knew that going into the show. Now I yep. just have to hope for agents of shield to be recognized as canon in the MCU. But yeah, you've been I, waiting for that for a long time. And I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but... Yeah. But I think uh, D'Onofrio is a fantastic kingpin, and every time he, he portrays that character, it's just, it's like I said, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Definitely looking forward to that Daredevil show whenever that comes out. This, yeah. I guess, kind of sets up for it more, I think. Yeah, I agree. So, check it out. It's on... on Hulu and Disney Plus, like I said, but those are my shoutouts. Now it's time for our Markout Moment of the Week. That is right, our Markout Moment of the Week. You already said yours before with that R Truth video. Yes, that R-Truth video, I totally, totally marked the hell out for. Also, uh, I marked out in front of my patients because Pix11 did a quick little segment on the Royal Rumble. And they featured, they had an interview, uh, it, pre- it looked like a pre-recorded interview with uh, Drew McIntyre. So kind of oh, that's why he mentioned that exactly so, before <laughs> so kind of uh puts it together with how you said mcintyre making sense with being one of the final four with him appearing on this news station i'm like yeah i mean don't sleep on drew mcintyre you know it's you funny know? when i was when i was going to sleep i i listened to the radio but as of late i've just asked my iphone to play certain like i'll say like oh play oldies or whatever and then it plays like a random iheart radio channel mm-hmm. and i'm like oh well, let me see if it, if this works I, I know it's not music or anything and i was no way in hell falling asleep to it but i i asked it to put on 1010 wins just like to hear what it's like these days mm-hmm. scott stanford talking on <laughs> to doing the news and stuff and i popped for that i told I that you was cool <laughs> yo i i love listening to uh, Stanford in the morning or afternoon. I forgot when he's on, but well, I mean, yeah. I was listening to it was like five a.m. But yeah, yeah, he 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 lets you know when they're how the weather and the roads are. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought um, that was cool. But during yeah. also yeah, during NXT they aired a commercial for Ted on Peacock. It's like the the new show, and there was footage that they had of Ted 
It takes place in 1993. Ted's sitting on the couch watching Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna from WrestleMania 9. And I thought that was a really cool like tie-in because obviously Ted being on Peacock, that's part of the, the WWE, like WWE on Peacock. So I thought that was a fun tie-in to promote Ted. Yeah. I agree. What, what, what were you going to say? I mean, you sent me that video and I definitely marked out for that. Um, I definitely, I don't know. Anytime I see that stuff, it just brings me totally back to everything. Um, yeah. I also marked out for Samoa Joe appearing uh, with the Black Strap. Going back to the Black Strap for a championship. Not, not like, necessarily back. It's a brand new championship. Yeah, brand new championship. I did That's not very mention true. that. They now have side plates too, interchangeable side plates. They they yeah, which is crazy. The first time we saw it was was uh, what what game was that? It was a college game that Tony Khan presented the title at. I don't I forget what team it was, but he presented somebody with a, a brand new AEW championship, and they had their side plates on it, like the team logo, like WWE does. So like that was the first time we got a look at the brand new championship. So I think that's that's cool. But uh, I agree. like I said last week, this was the week that Edge was showing up on Percy Jackson. And I think he showed up in the coolest way possible. And then, funnily enough, because it happened the same day as the stuff on Twitter, he spoke about wanting to start Twitter beef, which I thought was so ironic that <laughs> that was what was going on with the character. But also you had his boss doing that same thing. So... I thought that was funny, but it's so dope that Edge is on the show, and he truly was really good on on Percy Jackson. Yeah, I, I also marked out for Edge and uh, Ziggler, uh, Nick Nemeth appearing on Busted Open. Mm. It was cool listening to their interviews um, over on there, but yeah. Edge rattling cages with that uh, <laughs> that interview on Busted Open. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, he's saying he has no idea what a five-star match is, and... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, he, yeah, I mean, everybody on that show really makes fun of uh, the five-star aspect, because, honestly, like, yeah, it's... The only thing you have to know about the, the Meltzer rating scale is the fact that Kurt Angle has zero five-star matches, so that's all you need to know, that's all you should know, and you should realize, like, oh, this scale is not correct. Yeah, 100%. Well, take it home. Tell them what else they should know. That was episode 675 of Marking Out, the only online listening experience in the world. The uh, the number one Taylor Swift wrestling podcast, by the way. Forgot to mention, Miss uh, Donna Kelsey was at the Performance Center for some reason this week. <laughs> I don't know why, but they posted a picture of her with Shawn Michaels. So that's one step closer to getting Taylor Swift WrestleMania for hopefully America the Beautiful. <laughs> but you could check us out on Twitter at Mark and Out, at BTTG161 on Twitter and Instagram, Chris Sweendog on Twitter, CM Sweeney85 on Instagram, David PTDPT on all platforms, Facebook.com slash Mark and Out, YouTube and Instagram is Mark and Out11. Uh, you could go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Mark and Out and purchase some merch. You could go to Mark and Out on TikTok and maybe. Kind of see my meat sauce. <laughs> kind of. 
Uh, and then you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. And, of course, you can go to MarkingOut.com and listen there. And we wish you the... The... Future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.